This is 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Today's topic, Survivor Series 1990, the debut of The Undertaker. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the man who spent the weekend hobnobbing, rubbing elbows, hanging out with the living legend Larry Zabisco, none other than Wildfire, Tommy Fierro. <laughs> Tommy, good morning to you, brother. Good morning to you, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, but I can't say that I hung out with the living legend all weekend like you did. I have to know, how does it feel knowing that you just hung out with wrestling royalty for a few days? Uh, he was cool, man. He, we had him at the store this past Sunday at the Wrestling Collector, and then the following day we did a virtual signing with him, which I know that you watched, Jay. And uh, yeah, man, he was just you know extremely laid back. Uh, really laid back. He, uh, he he was very easy to work with. You know, he did whatever he asked him to do, including he did a commercial for me uh, for the store, which I posted on our Instagram page. I know I sent it over to you as well, Jay. And then also he cut a promo putting over the ISPW world champion, Danny Morrison as well, which we posted on the ISPW Facebook page. And uh, he was just really, really easy, really laid back. He signed a bunch of extra pictures for me, which I use for our 8x10 mystery envelope special that we do on our website, thewrestlingcollector.com. You get tw- I'm not trying to turn this into a shameless plug, but I guess I am now. Uh, you get 12 autographed pictures for only $60 from a guest from all of our past signings. And this week, we are packing orders with Jake the Snake Roberts, Jimmy Hart, Larry Sabisco, Tatanka, Tito Santana, Ron Simmons. So uh, we got some Carlito. We got some good pictures going in those mystery packs this week. So if you'd like to get one, uh, all you have to do is head over to the 80s. I'm sorry, not 80s, just on uh, thewrestlingcollector.com, and it's 60 bucks for a 12-pack, and you're guaranteed to get those autographs as well. So that's what I do a lot of times, too, when I have these guys do the signings. I have them sign extra pictures for me afterwards I've used for the mystery envelope. So, uh, again, if you'd like to get one, just head over to thewrestlingcollector.com. But he was really good, man. He was super cool. And uh, this Monday we have another virtual signing on uh, 80s Wrestling's Facebook page, Monday Night Virtual, with Jerry Briscoe and Tony Gurria. Now, that's a rare one, Jay. The, I don't really see these guys doing too much. So uh, this should be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. I'm guessing it's going to be very entertaining, especially coming off of the more mellow signing with Zabisco. I don't know how you get these legends, because I kept thinking about a guy like Larry. He was at the top of the game in a certain era of wrestling, and then he had a front row seat to the Monday Night Wars. And so he got to see so many things throughout his entire career, and he shared stories and memories, and he was as sharp as ever And so I loved Monday, and I'm definitely looking forward to the next one because I think the stories that are going to come out of the next virtual signing, very entertaining, very informational. I don't know how you get these guys, Tommy, but I'm so happy you do. (laughs) Thanks, man. And we got two signings at the store this weekend as well. It's a super busy weekend at the Wrestling Collector. Uh, I actually won't even be there this Saturday, Jay. I'm actually going to be in New York City Saturday. We have our first reading uh, that we're doing for our – uh, you know, uh, rock musical, the last match. So I'm very excited about that. They're going to do the first reading uh, for it this Saturday night in the city. So I'm going there to, to, to take part in that and, and listen to it and, you know, and, uh, and 
give feedback, et cetera. So I wouldn't even be at the store. So, but this Saturday at the Wrestling Collector, from 4 to 6 p.m., it's going to be ladies' night. We have former WCW star Asia. If you remember her, Jay, she was the big jacked-up girl towards the end of WCW. Very rare. I believe she's in the encyclopedia as well. And C.J. Dunning, who uh, was in WWE NXT. And, man, I don't know if you've seen her, Jay, but she's smoking. So they will be there this Saturday night from 4 to 6 o'clock. And then on Sunday, it's going to be a fun one, Jay. Sunday at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. It's going to be Outback Jack, Kevin Sullivan, and Man Mountain Rock Max Payne. They're all going to be at the Wrestling Collector this Sunday from 11 to 2 p.m. Listen, man, as you run through that schedule, I just can't help but think to myself, your wife must play a part in scheduling these because when the ladies come to the collector, all of a sudden she ships you off to New York City. <laughs> Smart play on her part. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny, man. No, I man, I had, I, had, I had this commitment for a while, and uh, the vendor uh, is coming in, uh, Damage 365, they he has him in the area, and I, I work with him, he's a good guy, so they're doing the uh, signing this Saturday night. So, yeah, it's a rare opportunity if, uh, you know, for your encyclopedia gets signed, I believe Asia is in there, and then uh, uh, CJ Dunning as well, a rare NXT New Jersey appearance. And then on Sunday... Tiny Kangaroo Down Sport. I'm excited for that one. First time ever meeting Outback Jack. I'm um, looking forward to having him at the store. And then, again, Kevin Sullivan and Max Payne. So, busy weekend at the Wrestling Collector. Busy Monday night for Monday Night Virtual with Tony Gurria and uh, Jerry Briscoe for, for Gurria and Briscoe. And if you'd like to get autographed pictures of any of the guests I just mentioned, uh, if you can't be live at the Wrestling Collector this weekend and would like to get an autographed picture of Asia or CJ Dunning, Outback Jack, Kevin Sullivan, or Max Payne, or if you'd like to order now for uh, Jerry Briscoe and Tony Gurria, all those signings you can get on 80swrestlingcon.com. Again, 80swrestlingcon.com. Enough plugs, though. I, we have a hot topic today, Jay, and uh, let's get into it, man. Yeah, we're talking about the World Wrestling Federation's Thanksgiving Night Tradition Survivor Series, and we're dipping our toe out of the 80s. We're talking about Survivor Series 1990, which was a big show for multiple reasons. And the Wrestling Collector Slam line already lit up. We're three callers deep. I knew this was going to be a good topic. It's just a pay-per-view that left such a lasting impression, not only on fans, but on the industry itself. So let's jump into the phone calls. Up first on the docket, Marty from Millville. Welcome back to the show. We're talking Survivor Series 1990. Hey, Jumpin' Jay and Tommy, how you guys doing? What's up, man? How are you? Fantastic, brother. I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, great topic I saw today. Uh, Survivor Series 90. Uh, man, got a lot there. I can't believe I'm the first one. Uh, I know Brian and, and Daniel call with, with some awesome stuff, but I'm glad I get to lead the show off. Um, yeah, one thing I'll, I'll take away from it. Before people talk about Gobbly Gooker and all the other stuff, I loved <laughs> the sur- Ultimate Survivor match. I thought that was great. I know it's like the only time they did it, as far as I know. Um, and the biggest takeaway from that was the respect to Tito Santana. Like, he deserved to be in that spot, standing with Hogan and Warrior. And those two guys were at the top, way top of the industry at that time. And to have Tito Santana stand there with him at the end, 
I thought that was respect to Tito because he deserved it. He, he held that company for a long time and did so much, and I was so glad to see him there. You know, Marty, that's an excellent that's an excellent point. And we had the pleasure of talking to Tito Santana earlier on this uh, podcast on a different episode, and he mentioned that he was kind of one of those guys that Vince could always lean on to count mm-hmm. for a good performance. And he'd put him in different spots on the cards where he needed a good performance. And then he talked about exactly what you're saying, how when it came to that ultimate survival match, he was standing there next to the two biggest baby faces at that time, Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. And I have to agree with you, what a sign of respect to Tito. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally deserved to be there. I, I loved it. I, 1990 was a, a great year, too. I know, you know we all loved the 80s, but you know, 90 was just as solid, uh, considering what you had at WrestleMania in the Sky Dome, and then when you get the Survivor Series. They could have left out the Gooker at the end, but uh, you think about some of the gimmicks that were there, uh, some of the teams that you saw, it was awesome. And uh, it was perfect build-up going into the feud for Warrior and the title change in hand later. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, man, this was, this was a good show. And uh, something that's very newsworthy from this show is actually the dark match that took place prior to this pay-per-view starting. The dark match for you ECW fans out there. Now, remember, this is the 1990 Survivor Series pay-per-view. The dark match for this pay-per-view was Shane Douglas defeating Buddy Rose in the dark match of the 1990 Survivor Series pay-per-view. Now, think about that for a second, guys. How, looking back on his career now, the career he's had, it's pretty cool to say that he was the dark match of the 1990 Survivor Series pay-per-view. Yeah, that, that's a big name to be on a dark match. And, you know, to think about the talent there in that match, you know, and then Shane Douglas awesome. Uh, especially what you saw him do after that. And to think, like, man, you have that talent in a dark match? You know, your company's doing pretty good if that's your dark match. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I saw that earlier today, and uh, that's not knowledge I, I walk around with. But uh, I, I was surprised, too. I'm glad you brought that up, Tommy. And then, of well, course, hey. there was some, some other guy debuted that day. I forget who it was. <laughs> he ended up doing something in the wrestling industry. I forget. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for that, for that reason alone, obviously, the Survivor Series 1990 will go down as one of the biggest uh, pay-per-views oh, of all yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and the thing with Tito, you said, man, that, that's, that's, I, I couldn't hold more true. I, Tito, I love Tito, man. Tito is someone that I work oh, with yeah. a lot up here in New Jersey, and I do a lot of stuff with him. And he's actually the commissioner of my ISKW wrestling promotion. And you know, to see him you know, get the rub out there with Tito, uh, with uh, Warrior and Hogan. And, and not that he really needed the rub because, you know, Tito is one of the, the, the top baby faces of the 80s. But you put him in a situation now where he's teaming up with, you know, the, the two biggest fan favorites in the company. Yeah, I, I felt like that elevated Tito a little bit as well. So, I mean, that's a newsworthy part of that show as well. Obviously, The Undertaker uh, making his debut the, the the biggest part of the show and one of the biggest moments ever in the history of WWF, WWE. And, and another thing that I like, and I get you guys' opinion on this as well, one of the, the baddest teams, I don't mean bad being terrible, I mean bad being badass, badass teams ever in the history of the Survivor Series is the Warriors, which was the Ultimate Warrior, the Texas Tornado, and the Legion of Doom. Just a visual picture of those guys all together is really cool. 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, and, and the Visionaries team that went 4-0, like they, they swept it and went to the end. Or, or was that the Million Dollar team? Uh, I forget which one. Yeah, it was DiBiase, I think, Power and Glory. It was like one team that just made it. And like in, they beat like the Rockers. I yeah. Who else they took down? But yeah, and like all four of them went on. You're like, oh my gosh, the, the bad guys are going to win the Ultimate Survivors match. It's going to be too much. And then it's like, oh wait a minute, Togan Warrior and Santana, those guys will be fine. So yeah, that was uh, definitely one of the Survivor Series as a kid. That was my favorite thing. I loved the concept of it. I thought it was brilliant. And I always I love seeing these guys like team up the '89 team where you had Hogan, Roberts, and Demolition. Like as a kid, name four people you'd rather you know see in a match. So like I I've always loved the Survivor Series, and, and 1990 did not disappoint. So good topic today, fellas. Good choice. Ah, uh, thank you, man. We appreciate you calling in. We're glad that you uh, enjoyed the, the topic today. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let you guys go. I'm gonna listen to the rest uh, when you guys put it out there. Once again, thank you guys uh, for the best podcast in the land. Uh, thank you, oh, brother. Thank you, we Marty. appreciate you have an awesome day, day brother. Uh, Marty from Millville starting off the show with like some great takes. Beautiful, beautiful point about Tito Santana. I know that it was uh, – it stands out in all our minds. I know when we talked to Tito, that was a big point that he remembers as well from the 1990 uh, year. And so what a great thing to start off the, year, the, the show talking about. We're now going to jump over to our good friend, Brian the Brain from Chico, California. Brian, welcome back to the show, Survivor Series 1990. Good morning, Joey. Good morning, Tommy. Uh, good to talk to you guys again. And I, I wanted to uh, congratulate Tommy on uh, the announcement last week, getting hooked up with Connor's Cure. That's uh, I really commend you and uh, and say a great job. That's a, a worthy cause. and and uh, excellent work getting getting together with those guys. Oh, thank you so much, man. Like I, I mentioned, I believe I mentioned last week on the episode, uh, we we did something, I did something with Connor's Cure a few years ago when I was the marketing director for California Pizza Kitchen, which I'm sure you're very familiar with being out there in California. And, uh, you know, we, we did a fundraiser at the, at the restaurant where my home restaurant, because I, I had all the stores in New York and New Jersey, but the one that I was at the most was the one that actually was in my town where I lived at, so it was super easy and close to get to. So at that one, I wanted to do something special. So I asked WWE if they can send me a couple, you know, talents for, you know, the restaurant where, you know, you know fans would come and, you know, we'd get a free autograph and picture with the wrestler, and then they stay and eat lunch. And then, you know, a portion of that went back to Connor's Cure, and it, and it, and it did well. WWE sent me Baron Corbin and Nikki Cross, and I, I just love I, – I, I love – that was my job for a while at California Pizza Kitchen, just raising money for different groups and organizations. And it's something I really like doing. And uh, it's something I, I want to do again for Connor's Cure. But uh, obviously uh, that couldn't happen at the restaurant anymore because uh, when the pandemic hit, we got furloughed and then they got rid of 80% of their staff and the rest is history. But I always had that in the back of my head that I wanted to do something with them again. So – uh, you know, I have this social media following 80s wrestling where, you know, we have over 750,000 followers between all of our different, you know, uh, sites on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I wanted to do something good with that and, you know, give something back. And I thought of Connor's Cure and I thought it'd be a great lead way into 80s wrestling con coming up live on February the 7th, um, May the 7th. 
so yeah, man, I, I reached out to them and they were very receptive and I have a history with them working with them in the past. So, um, that was, you know, a, a, a definite foot in the door as well, but I mean, yeah, it's a unbelievable organization. I'm so proud to be able to, uh, have them to be part of this on May the 7th. Uh, the event was already super special in my opinion, and we're going to ramp up the promotion and media on it, uh, beginning, you know, probably this week and early next week, you'll see a lot more stuff coming out about eighties wrestling con and, uh, we'll get, you know, different wrestlers on different podcasts for interviews and all kinds of different things we're working on. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge honor to have them a part of it. And, um, I hope that we can raise a lot of money for them. And I appreciate you, uh, mentioning that and sorry to get off topic. Let's get back to, uh, survivor series 90, but thank you very much for your uh, kind words, Brian. I always appreciate them. Oh, definitely. No, uh, like I say, uh, great job out there and uh, a way to tie in something uh, such a great cause to your event um yeah survivor series 1990 uh warrior and hogan uh top of their game it was a little sad that, that was axe's last uh event and uh i think the only time we saw him other than in no holds barred where he didn't have his hair slicked back you know and and so that was the final match of axe and wwf uh also lost uh, uh, Rick Rude right before it happened. He got substituted in for you know by Haku, but uh, you know the the ultimate survivor. That was a concept that uh, it seemed like oh shoot they should have been doing that since the beginning. And uh, I think it was uh, uh, I'm trying to remember if his name was Tom, but the first caller I mentioned those those last three Tito and Warrior and Hogan. That was that was a great choice to be the last three. Um, haven't talked too much about Undertaker yet, but you know, not you know, kicking off his 30-year career there and having Brother Love be his manager. He came in and that pile, you know, Tombstone he gave Coco was really something. Um, Roddy, I thought that was one of his. Uh, he, I, I'm not a big fan of Roddy's announcing, but uh, that was one of the best jobs he did. Is uh, when he was, you know, look at the ham hocks on that guy, mentioning Undertaker. So it was. It was something where I, I like seeing him in the ring a little more than announcing, but uh, but that was uh, well done by he and, and Gorilla selling uh, how impressive Undertaker was when we all got to see him for the first time. Um, don't know if uh, if you guys if that's as memorable for you guys as it is for me, but uh, uh, he was uh, with the purple gear and the the heavy makeup under the eyes. He was definitely a, a gruesome looking guy coming in for the first time and having us all get to see him. And of course, Gene jumping around with, uh, uh, uh forget if it was, uh, it wasn't Chavo senior, uh, but, uh, trying to remember which Guerrero it was that, uh, Hector uh was Guerrero. under the cup. Hector. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Those guys were all so talented. That's a, a great family of wrestling legends there. And I know, um, you know, going back, uh, Roddy was, uh, great friends behind the scenes, but had a, a vicious rivalry with, uh, with Hector, uh, or with Chavo back in the, in the late seventies in the LA sports arena. And then they'd go water skiing and stuff after they were, uh, after they had the, their matches. So or not after the matches, but, you know, out on the weekends and whatnot, um, the Buddy Rose, uh, I thought that was interesting too with him in the dark match where he and Roddy had had a, a feud up in Portland. 
all those years before. So there's a lot of cool little sidebars of wrestling history back in, in 1990 from uh, uh, the guys involved that uh, are, are kind of cool to look at. But uh, uh, Ultimate Survivor uh, match, that's probably the, the the thing that that Survivor Series, along with Undertaker, the two things it's most most known for, for sure. I think you're absolutely right about those two things, and I, I loved how when you were talking about the debut of The Undertaker, you mentioned the commentary by Piper because, yeah, he did an awesome job of putting over how this guy was different, how menacing he was, how big he was, how pale he looked. And I love when they showed the debut of The Undertaker. They did a great job of capturing the faces of the kids along the aisle as Undertaker walked by. You could see how they had that fear in their face. And I remember being a young kid watching The Undertaker. They did such a nice job with his presentation that it felt different. It did have that creepy aura around it. And so I love everything about early Undertaker, from his costumes to the way he walked, how he would always land on his feet when he got flipped over the top rope and how he would move slow and then all of a sudden be explosive and the Piper commentary over it absolutely sold it on the debut. Definitely. That, and I want to say he uh, replaced Bad News Brown. So Bad News Brown, he, uh, he left the WWF right before that as well. But, uh, um, but yeah, the, the eventual switch to Paul Bearer was definitely a good one, but it was, it was interesting, you know, to start him out with Brother Love, who, you know, he always had his book of love and says it wasn't religious, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a preacher paired with an undertaker. Um, it's a, a, a cool vibe of him and all white undertaker in the, in the black. That was a, a, a nice presentation there as well. It was. It was very, like you said, uh, contrast, so it was very complimentary at the same time. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the original mystery partner for the Million Dollar Team was supposed to be Bad News Brown. And I remember in the old WWF magazine around this time, when they showed the picture of the teams, they would have the mystery partner, just a black silhouette of somebody. So you didn't know who it was. But in the magazine and in the poster, they have that black silhouette holding $100 bills to represent, you know, he's on the million dollar team. And as a kid, I was a hundred percent certain that it was going to be Virgil. Cause I'm like, who else would be holding the money standing next to Ted DiBiase? Never in a million years would have imagined a character like the undertaker, but think of the impact that character has had compared to if it had been a bad news Brown or had been Virgil, it just would have been uh, another match. But here we are talking about it 30 years later because it was the debut of such an iconic character. Definitely that, and uh, and I wanted to uh, uh, side subject again. Uh, remind Tommy to keep his eyes out. I saw he gave away a, uh, an Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy, and I uh, I didn't know if he'd been able to wrangle one of those for Jeremiah James yet or not. But uh, wanted to make sure he keeps his eyes out <laughs> for another one of those for Jeremiah James. Well, Jer- I'm gonna be with, I'm gonna be with Jeremiah James. Jeremiah James, by the way, is the Broadway producer that is uh, working with me on the last match. Uh, thanks for uh, reminding me about that. So I'm sure he's going to listen and ask me where his wrestling buddy is on CM Saturday night. So uh, I'm going to put that one on your tab, uh, Brian the Brain. So is, is that the oh, one well. you gave away or do you have a backup buddy? That, that's the one he had on the giveaway, and I, I wanted to call him and say, "Wait, Tommy, wait! You were supposed to hold right. that." But I know, yeah. I know. I, I, you know what? I can't, I can't rig it. I can't rig it though. You know, 
That's the that's the oh, only no, thing. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just gonna say you got to you got to switch it out for a different price. Save that one for Jeremiah, but a little too late. Yep, forgot about it. <laughs> so, uh, what wh- what was your takeaway of, of Tito Santana being in that match with uh, Hogan and Warrior? Like like I mentioned earlier, he he was a, a big baby face from that time frame, but I, I do think it elevated him a little bit being there with Hogan and Warrior. Definitely, and it was a it was a nice surprise at the time, and uh, you know he had the the hair of the times, the longer hair going on. He uh, was done with his his tag team run with Martel, so it, it was a nice elevation. And then uh, you know it wasn't too long after that where they they sent him to do some bullfighting training and repackaged him as the Matador, which uh, I I didn't think he really needed that that gimmick. But uh, you know, it's 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 nice to freshen it up, I guess. But uh, but yeah, he's you know he said in the past that when they decided to go with Brett, it was between him or or Brett um, as far as who they wanted to uh, to run the run you know run the uh, the the ball with uh, back in '92. The next big guy after uh, after Hulk and Warrior era of uh, bigger bigger guys was was done and. And it was uh, something where Vince wanted to either get get the uh, the Latin America influence or the Canadian influence, and and went with Brett. But I think this was maybe the the start of a, a rebirth of pushing Tito to that next level for you know, potentially being an upper upper tier guy again. But but yeah, he was he was a, a top notch WWE performer his entire career WWF. But um, you know at this point. You didn't expect it, so that was that was definitely nice seeing him in there with the two of them, and and obviously the the best worker of the of the three phases left at the end there, Tito, you know, was the guy that if they needed to depend on somebody to to make a great match, that would be the guy out of the three to do it. Absolutely. But, uh, I will uh, I'll let you guys talk to some other people and. And thank you again for the podcast and, and keep up the great work for towards the WrestleCon. Um, you guys have an excellent week. And uh, thanks again so much for letting me visit with you. Brian, hey, thank you, you, Brian. We appreciate it, Brian. We love you, brother. Right on, man. Take care. All right, Tommy. There's one other call that's been hanging on the slam line, waiting to weigh in on Survivor Series 1990. It is our main man from Butler, New Jersey, Danny. Danny, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Tommy Jumping Jay, always a pleasure. Uh, definitely a great topic. Uh, you guys caught me by surprise uh, with uh, with this uh, topic in hand. Um, definitely, like I said, it's a monumental event. Uh, obviously, we all know... Uh, what started there, you know, the Undertaker, you know, who, you know, who would have thought back then, 1990, 30-plus uh, 30, 30 years uh, in the business, uh, you know, iconic, uh, you know, it's fitting that, you know, we're talking about it because he's going into the Hall of Fame this year, rightfully so. Um, you know, who would have thought, you know, that he would have had the impact that he had, uh, you know, staying, you know, one company throughout his whole uh, career, loyal, tremendous worker, um, you know, just like I said, then you know, just a, a short year later, he's, uh, he's you know, he's uh, getting over on Hulk Hogan uh, at the following year's uh, Survivor Series. Um, so, you know, like I said, that was definitely the start of you know probably the biggest superstar up there with Hogan. Uh, you know, he's that you could probably say he's 
you know, belongs on the Mount Rushmore of uh, WWE slash WWF superstars, without a doubt. Um, tremendous uh, overall, great event. Uh, you know, I you know the first caller mentioned the. You know, I think that was the the first time there was a, cl- a clean sweep. Uh, that was uh, Martel's team, uh, I, think, I believe, with uh, Power and Glory and the Warlord. And, uh, you know, that was uh, leading up with his uh, feud with Jake the Snake, uh, you know, with the arrogance on Brother Love. I think I think he, uh, he was with uh, Superfly and uh, the Rockers. I think they were called the Vipers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, that was, a, you know, like I said, tremendous event. You know, it was a good, good to see Tito get us uh, some recognition at the end of uh, being a, with the lone survivor. Um, uh, I think uh, another fact on that match, uh, you know, the Undertaker's debut, the, uh, I think Bret Hart was on the opposite, you know, the Hart Foundation with Dusty, I think Coco. I don't know if they mentioned, I think, uh, I don't know if Piper mentioned it in the broadcast. Uh, I think that same day, the night before, one of Bret's brothers uh, had passed. So uh, he was definitely uh, performing there with a, you know, obviously a heavy heart, knowing how close he was with his brothers. I feel, I'm not sure which one. There were so many of them, I can't keep track of uh, who it was that uh, that passed. And uh, like I said, it was a tremendous show. Uh, like I said, it was the second, I believe, the second big pay-per-view that was debuted, uh, obviously, WrestleMania. Then I think Survivor Series came in, in 87, that 87 uh, Survivor Series. That was a... Uh, one of the more memorable ones, without a doubt. Um, uh, on top of just to piggyback on the Connor, uh, the Connor's cure, Tommy, I'm tremendous. When I heard that uh, last, you know, last week, that uh, brought a big smile to my face. You know, I, I know we're going on, I think, eight years when uh, they shed light on uh, that. You know, you know, Connor. I think Connor Mahalik, whatever uh, for guy's name. Uh, you know, I remember you know watching him at that uh, WrestleMania. You know, being out uh, there with uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, all the little, uh, you know, times that they, uh, you know, Nick, Stephanie and, and Hunter, you know, bringing them out, meeting the superstars and everything. You know, like I said, just, know, you know, knowing that, you know, being in a position of being a parent, you know, you never, you know, you like, God forbid, you have to have to deal with something like that. And, you know, for, you know, his parents to have to go through that, it's, you know, like I said, it's something that none of us ever want to imagine. But like I said, it's just such a touching story and for, to be able to, give back to something, you know, to that nature, that type of foundation. You know, I, I commend you 100% on, you know, doing what you do, you know, obviously with the store, with the, with, you know, with the promotion and, you know, to be able to give back in that manner. Like I said, I, I give you a, a 100% respect on that. Thank you so much, Danny. It really means a lot to me, man. And, yeah, man, I'm extremely grateful, excited, and humbled and honored to you know, be a small part of, of helping them out at that event. And yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a real, real honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like I said, I definitely look, um, like I said, we were, you know, I can't believe we're already in March and like I said, we're like two, two short months away from uh, wrestling time. I definitely can't wait. I know uh, Lucas, uh, he's going to love it. You know, to be oh, yeah. around so many, he's going to be around so many, uh, you know, all those uh, superstars I grew up uh uh, idolizing and and um, you know respecting you know I think you know looking you know definitely I'm you know looking forward to all the other vendors that are going to be there you know all the good you know these uh, little treasures that you come across so it's definitely something uh you know I definitely uh, remember the one in 2019 that was the day after my birthday uh, so 
that was, a, you know, like I said, I, I've never been to something like that. That was tremendous. And like I said, it's something that I'm looking forward to Thank again. You, and like I said, this def- I definitely uh, can't, can't wait uh, for uh, come May 7th. I'm definitely going to be there and it's going to, you know, we're going to make a, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, man. And also uh, Jumpin' Jay is going to be there. So you finally get to meet Jumpin' Jay. Oh, it's fine. You know, the man, the man, the myth, the legend. You know, it's uh, finally uh, be able to, you know, uh, get a get to shake hand, maybe uh, have a beer or something. Like I said, it's uh, definitely uh, it's like I said, it's long overdue. Finally, get uh, to meet the the man behind the uh, uh, the the second man behind '80s wrestling. So, like I said, it's definitely going to be a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And you know, you guys uh, just keep up uh, the good work, y'all. Yo. You guys definitely keep me uh, looking forward. Uh, you know, you guys keep me. Uh, you know, on the edge of my seat, like week in, week out, uh, knowing, uh, not knowing what we're going to talk about, but like I said, I know uh, next week is going to be just as good. So uh, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, you guys take, have a great weekend and uh, just uh, keep hitting out the ballpark, guys. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Remember, at, at nighttime, the nighttime uh, 80s Wrestling Con is a live ISPW rock and wrestling show. So the convention is going to be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we'll do the different uh, in the next week or two, me and Jay get together and put together a schedule of events one time, which guys are going to be signing from and the special events we're going to be doing throughout the the day there. And then uh, at nighttime at 7 p.m., we're going to be doing a live ISPW show. And uh, it's going to be super cool, man. So anyone that's coming from out of the area, which I'm sure many people are, uh, you can, uh, you know, make a, a, a night of it, stay for the ISPW show and, uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I definitely looking forward to having you and your son there experiencing it live and in person. Well, like I said, it's definitely, it definitely uh, has a it beat. Uh, it definitely uh, driving up to Morristown is sure uh, a hell of a lot better than having to go to Freehold down South Jersey. So that's, uh, that's an, another plus for me. So like I said, it's uh, definitely looking forward to him. Uh, you know, I definitely can't wait. To, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that a uh, demolition cup, uh, that that match, whatever I think that tag team match you have promoted. So that's something I definitely want to, um, and uh, you know, getting you know being able to take a picture with uh, Greg and and uh, Tito with the Intercontinental Title. That's uh, what I'm. Oh yeah, that's, that's gonna be cool, man. Thank you so much, man. We look forward to seeing you uh, soon. All right, guys, you take it easy. Uh, have a good one. Uh, hey, too, Danny, this hey, Sunday, hey, if you're around, Wrestling Collector, Outback Jack, Kevin Sullivan, and Man Mountain Rock is going to be here this Sunday. Yes, sir. I'll do everything in my power to get there. Awesome, man. Have a good one, brother. Hey, Danny, take before care. we let you go, man, you and I have got to figure out a way to get involved in this Demolition Cup tournament. I think you and I could be a very effective tag team. I think we got to, we got to talk to Tommy <laughs> about letting us in that tournament. <laughs> I listen, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm like I said. I, I, I like I said. It's a, uh, you know, I definitely give those guys, whoever steps in, in between those ropes, I give them all the, the credit in the world. I don't think it's just something that you just get up and do. But like I said, given the opportunity, yeah, listen, you get, you get one shot. Like just like uh, Eminem said. So why not? Absolutely. I love man. it. I love it. I like that. I like it, man. I might have to sign you guys up as the fifth team. <laughs> well, like I said, you let me know. Like I said, I'll do, I'll do it. Uh, you know, you don't. I'll do it for absolutely. I'll do it for free. I'll take a couple bumps. That's uh, to you know, to with, with the talent that you guys uh, that you have in ISPW. Like I said, it'll definitely be an honor. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Have uh, a great day, Danny. Before we uh, hop into the next call, let's just talk a little bit about '80s Wrestling Con Live 
taking place on Saturday, May the 7th, the Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. ton of talent going to be there, Jay. We're talking about Al Perez making a super rare appearance in New Jersey. Barry Horowitz, who we had on last week, great guy. Barry Windham, Bob Backlund, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, Bushwhacker, Luke, Cowboy Bob Orton, Demolition, Dutch Mantel, Greg the Hammer Valentine, IRS Mike Rotundo, Haku and Tama, the Islanders, Jake the Snake Roberts with Cheryl Roberts, Jesse the Body Ventura, J.J. Dillon, Coco Beware, Medusa, Mike McGurk, Missy Hyatt, the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, the Doctor of Style Slick, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Sal Sincere, Steve Lombardi, Tito Santana, Tommy Rich, Typhoon, and Virgil. Talk about a guest list, a who's who of that time frame of wrestling. Also, special events that are going to be taking place at 80s Wrestling Con Live include the Lifetime Achievement Award presented to Bruiser Brody's wife, Barbara Goodish. Uh, Bruiser Brody will be getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. Also, something that I know you're looking forward to, Jay, is the Ring Worn Auction. We're going to have some of the talent bring, uh, whether it be a pair of tights, boots, robe, whatever it is from their private personal collection, you'll have the opportunity to bid on those items. The Doctor of Style Slick will be performing Jive Soul Bro Alive. You can actually get your name introduced by former WWF ring announcer Mike McGurk. A live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast with my main man, Jumpin' Jay. He will be joined by Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler. We asked him a few weeks ago on the podcast if he would come on the live episode uh, with Jay, and he agreed to do so. So that's going to be cool to have Jay and Steve Lombardi talk live. And then we just add it. Pro Wrestling Karaoke, Jay. Now, I know that you're going to be the first one to sign up for this. You can sing your favorite 80s wrestling song at 80s Wrestling Karaoke. All this and much more. May the 7th, Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey, 80s Wrestling Con Live. Go to the convention. Stay for the show at night, ISPW Rock and Wrestling. And again, uh, partial proceeds for this great event will go to Connor's Cure. It's going to be a fun one, Jay. Listen, as you're naming all those wrestlers and all those events, I'm thinking to myself, I went back to the Survivor Series 1990 poster. There was 40 wrestlers involved in Survivor Series, one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. You are nearly at that mark for 80s Wrestling Con Live. I cannot believe the number of superstars that'll be walking around the men in sports arena. And then those awesome events. Obviously, my favorite's got to be the live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. How cool is that going to be? But then the karaoke. Man, if you get me on that stage, there's got to be 80 Wrestling Con Live earplugs for everybody because I don't think you want me. <laughs> Unless we're closing out this show and you need me to get everybody out of the building fast, I don't know if you want me <laughs> on that stage. But it is shaping up to be a can't-miss event, Tommy. I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't even tell you how excited I am. And the, thank you, man. And, and the cool thing also about the, the show is if you, if you can't make it to New Jersey – you can still get autographed pictures. Let's say you've been wanting, dying to get an autographed picture of the Islanders, Haku and Tama, which, you know, they don't do much stuff together at all. You can just go to 80swrestlingcon.com, and there's a section where you can order autographed photos from the convention, 
and we'll get it signed for you that day and get it shipped out to you after the, the convention's over. So anyone that I just mentioned that you, you just, for some reason, you just can't get to New Jersey and you still want to get an autographed picture of one of those guests, you can do so by heading over to 80swrestlingcon.com. And I just thought of another real cool thing before we take our next caller, Jay, is maybe I can ask Barry Horowitz if he wants to be on that uh, panel with you and Steve, and we can kind of turn it into a, you know, a, an enhancement talent type of episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast with, with Steve and Barry Horowitz. Man, I think that would be super, super entertaining. I'm going to have to look into that this weekend. You, listen, anytime you want to add additional wrestlers to the podcast, you're not going to hear me fight you on it. So if you can make that happen, that would be absolutely fantastic in my book. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to work on that this weekend. Well, while you work on that, we're going to work on our next caller. We're going to the great white North Canada to hear from our good friend, David. David, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking Survivor Series 1990. Hey, Tommy J. How you guys doing? Hey, man. Long time no talk. Fantastic, brother. I'm good. I just I want to tell you something, Tommy. I'm really excited about this musical. Because I, I don't think I've told you this guy on the podcast yet, but uh, one of the subjects I teach is drama. So as, a, as someone who, you know, teaches theater to kids and stuff, I'm, I'm super excited about it and, and the, the workings of it. And it's funny uh, how, you know, theatrical wrestling is. I was actually telling kids today for one of their scenes, I was like, you're not selling it enough. You need to sell it more. And they're like, what? I'm like, you know, like <laughs> professional wrestling, you got to sell it. <laughs> I love oh, that. Man, that makes me but, uh, smile on my face. Yeah. So, but uh, so, talking about Survivor Series, uh, the thing for me that I that that I I love about it is it, for this one. Obviously, we've, we've talked about the Undertaker. You've talked about it a lot, so I won't go there. But the thing that is the dream team, right? Like the amount of of people that you're seeing together on a team and and the names. And the one thing that catches me from the names of it is you have the Hulkamaniacs, um, Hogan, Duggan, Bossman, and Tugboat versus, versus the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, Haku, uh, you know, Bravo, and the Barbarian. Funny, right? And then you have, you know, next, the next year, Tugboat actually becomes Typhoon and joins Earthquake in the Natural Disasters, and they become a tag team. So it's almost like a foreshadowing of, of that, of what's to come later. Uh, you know, but just the the matchups you get here of the people, and as you talked about too, like Hogan, Warrior, Tito Santana, maybe the best babyface trio of all time together in a thing, right? It's just the, the combinations of people are endless in this, and the, what the, the booking of this tournament is just off the charts. Those are very excellent points. I love that you pointed out the natural disasters because Tugboat does join Earthquake, and they are called the natural disasters. I had never put that together before. And the fact that you use the word foreshadowing makes me know you are a drama teacher. That is awesome stuff, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always got to represent Earthquake being a Canadian guy. You know, I always got to represent for my Canadian guy. Listen, we could do a whole show on Earthquake because the impact that he had in this time period in the ni- early 90s in the World Wrestling Federation, and then, you know, he would go to WCW and do some questionable gimmicks, and he would come back and be a member of the oddities underneath the mask. He had quite a career, and for being as big as he was, he's another big guy that could really move and was really agile, and so we could talk about him 
for a full hour. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, he was he was awesome. And then just like, you know, him shaking the ring and everything, I think he did a lot for the big men that come after him too. And I know um, Jimmy Hart speaks so highly of him uh, in, in his time managing him as well. I think one of my favorite, now that we have to talk about earthquake memories, but I just was rewatching the WWF, uh, WWE the Network, and I just watched where he uh, had his feud with Jake the Snake and he squashed Damien and then he would come out uh, with oh, yeah, yeah. Quake burgers and he fed the snake meat to Vince. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, so, such entertaining television. Yeah, he was involved in wasn't, some tremendous angles. Wasn't, wasn't the, uh, the Quake burgers on uh, Primetime Wrestling? He was dressed up like a chef, right? And was you're right. You're absolutely right. He came out on Primetime <laughs> Wrestling with Quake, Quake burgers. burgers, eating them. Hilarious. We need to have Quake burgers for 80s Wrestling Con. Uh, yes, I think okay he, that? that would be awesome. I I can't believe I don't know if uh, there must have not been as much hubbub with animal rights back then because you would think PETA would have been all over the World Wrestling Federation for having him give the earthquake squash to a snake and then eat oh, it gosh. on the next television show. You, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And, and I'm talking to both of you guys with this one. Can you imagine them trying to do anything like they did back in the day? on an episode of one of their shows in 2022, like a oh man, there was like, even like, you know, throwing Elizabeth to the ground and something so simple like that, like, dude, you, that would never fly, never fly in, in this day and age. And, and you're right. Like the stuff with Jake Roberts with, you know, earthquake and the snake. I mean, there's, there's I mean, just using, uh, how about when Matilda got kidnapped, they would have, they, they they would have they would jump all over that stuff today. Those these these animal rights groups, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, it's one of those things where I mean you know we talk about it as the golden era for a, a reason, right? Is that unfortunately you're never going to recreate it for a variety of reasons, and it's, I think that's something that makes the memory so much stronger and so much better. Yeah, man. Well said, and and what memories they are like. We can sit here and we can talk with smiles on our faces about the stuff that happened in 1990 but it was all so entertaining and that's why it left its impression on us and like you said david it'll never be recreated but man i'm glad we had a front row seat to it when it happened absolutely well you guys take care as always it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you and uh keep doing what you're doing because you guys are awesome in what you do and we really appreciate it oh thank you so much david we appreciate you keep uh, calling in and keep uh, teaching wrestling verbiage to those kids in drama class. I love that. Oh yeah, yep. I mean that to be the comments tomorrow when they when they perform. It's like, did you sell enough? We'll see. I love it. All right, David, keep up the good work, brother. All right, take care, guys. The conversation just keeps rolling, and I got to write this date down in my diary. It's March third. It must be my lucky day because back on the line from Butler, New Jersey. For the second time today, my tag team partner, Danny from Butler. Danny, what's going on, brother? Hey, you know what? Listen, I, I think uh, when, when you had a slick uh, on, his uh, friend uh, was the first to call in twice, so I guess I'm uh, number two on that list that I could recall. I don't think I can uh, think of remember of uh, having uh, somebody call in twice. Uh, like I said, I try to give everybody, you know, their platform, you know, because like I said, you know, there's all these subjects that you guys bring up you know you just got you go on and on and on and on and you know you tend you could tend to forget 
something so subtle and, and important that and you're like, damn, why did I not think about it? So if I have an opportunity, then that's great. You guys give me the platform, and I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you calling back, and you're right. Along with Slick's friend, you are on a very short list list of multiple calls <laughs> in a single episode. But I'm glad to hear your voice, Danny. I'm always glad. Yeah, to hear you see, we are going going back. Like I said, I kind of remember, um, you know, when uh, you had I was it War, Warriors team who uh, kind of it was it uh, it was with a uh, Texas Tornado who was the, the the IC champ at the time, and they had. Uh, the Road Warriors against uh, Perfect and, uh, you know, the three members of Demolition. Like you see, some, somebody said that that was uh, Axe's uh, last uh, appearance with the WWF at the at that time. So, you know, you look at, you know, you look back at it, um, you know, I, you know you, when you talk about, uh, you know, Kerry Von Erich, you know, the Texas Tornado, you know, you, you think about, you know, a, a tremendous uh, performer, you know, you know, tremendous uh you know, like I said, definitely a tremendous lineage, you know, with his family, you know, you know, tremendous, but also, you know, tragic at the same time. Um, you look at it, and, you know, you just think about, you know, I think they, they kind of pulled the rug from him kind of early. I mean, I don't know what, you know, you know, whatever issues he had, if that had to do with uh, them uh, pulling the, the plug on him and putting the belt back on perfect, uh, I think probably like three months later. Um, you know, they definitely left a lot of, you know, great, matches on the table uh, between him and perfect that, you know, they, those guys could have uh, definitely uh, went on for a few more months. You know, I kind of like in a way um, compare that to Savage and Steamboat back in 87. But like I said, that's uh, another subject, uh, you know, then you, you know, you look back at when, uh, you know, Sergeant Slaughter's team against uh, Volkov's team, you know, at that time, who would have thought, uh, um, you know, how, you know, how much of a turncoat slaughter turned out to be during that time? I, you know, it was Operation Desert uh, Desert Shield, and it goes to Operation Desert Storm. You know, his alliance with uh, uh, General Adnan, and then you know he brings in Saddam Hussein. You know, he he wears the boot, and you know we all know what happens at the Royal Rumble in '91. Then you know that leads to WrestleMania Seven. So, like I said, it's just so many different storylines and like I said it was just definitely one of those uh, monumental events uh, at, at that time in uh, WWF history so like I said it's just so much you could go on and on for but I just wanted to make uh, that uh, point about uh, Gary Von Erich I appreciate you bringing him up because I'll be honest with you when he came on to the scene in the World Wrestling Federation as the Texas Tornado I instantly loved him and loved the way he wrestled and then once you get older and you kind of hear about the struggles that he had in life and that this was part of the time in his life when he was really struggling with some serious demons you have such a, an appreciation for his ability to entertain us while going through that and it's such a tragic story the whole Von Erich family is such a tragic story when you learn about it um, and you're right, his matches with Mr. Perfect were some of my favorite to watch. And I wish he would have been in a better spot personally, mentally, physically, so that he could have carried on and we could have seen many more classics out of him because he was such a good performer. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like I said, it's just uh, recently, I, I, I never knew that he, uh, he was missing a foot. Like I said, to, for him to go out and, and uh, compete the way he did um, and, you know, work, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we all know the demons and everything like that, but, you know, for him to go out there and be able to perform, you know, still, it's admirable. But like I said, it's just always one of those, uh, you know, what could have been, you know, like I said, there's always, a, a you know, two sides to, you know, 
you know, there's always going to be, a, you know, somewhat of like, you know, just like the, the Vice series, you know, the dark side, you know, so, you know, the, the, the not so, you know, glamorous lifestyle of the, of the business if, you know, you definitely uh, fall into the pitfalls. Um, but like I said, it was a tremendous, that, that, that Survivor series, you know, I think it's definitely is up there as one of my favorites. Um, the very first one I, I thought was a, I thought they uh, definitely hit it out of the park part two. So, um, like I said, whatever, uh, you guys talk about coming up, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to hear, uh, speaking about it. And like I said, thank you guys for giving me enough, another, another opportunity to chime in. Thank you, man. Thank you, Danny. Anytime you call, we're picking up the phone. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Have a blessed day, brother. All right, you guys, uh, take it easy. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, listeners of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Do not attempt to adjust your dials. This man's voice is, in fact, that velvety (laughs) smooth. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of ISPW, Matt. Matt, welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast, brother. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Doing well. How are you? What's going on? You're calling in because... First of all, Matt Capitello is the, the voice of ISPW, which debuts on YouTube. We have a weekly YouTube show coming beginning on Sunday, March the 20th, 6 p.m., and it's going to be called ISPW Sunday Night Slam. You can hear Matt call the action each and every Sunday, 6 p.m., Again, ISW Sunday Night Slam, the first episode debuts on Sunday, March the 20th. I was going to save this announcement for the end of the show, and just so happened that Matt called in, so it was perfect timing. Matt, can't wait to hear you call the action each and every week. And I know the reason why you're calling today, though, is not for that, because I know that Matt was a gigantic fan of the alliance, Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> that match with the mercenaries that was sergeant slaughter and boris zukov and oh man that was a classic hey you know what though with this survivor series so many great moments and great spots i mean obviously the debut of the undertaker that character that's lasted the last with now almost 32 years is so cool i can remember in um the match with the warlord the visionaries against the vipers there's a spot where Warlord gets Shawn Michaels so high for a back body drop that half of Shawn Michaels' body goes out of the camera frame, and then you see him land on his back on the mat. I always thought that was a cool spot. But um, I think something pretty interesting to note is baby faces, except for I believe it's two, are WWE Hall of Famers. That's an interesting fact, wow. man. I'm running through the I'm running through the list in my head. Let's see if we can figure out which two are not in the Hall of Fame yet. Tommy, well, do you know off the top of your head? Say, say the question one more time. Which two so babyface I, competitors are the only ones not in the Hall of Fame? Babyface competitors that were on this show that were not that are not in the Hall of Fame. That were that were on the Survivor Series 1990 show. Yeah. Okay, tugboat. Mm-hmm. And you said babyface, right? Correct. The second, well, just give me one second to think about it. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Uh, do, 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 uh, Texas tornado. 
No, oh, he's no, no, no. I apologize. Obviously, he's in there. Um, yeah. Who would be the other one? The other one would be. Uh, don't don't tell me yet. Give me one more second to try and think. Oh, uh, Marty Janetti. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can never stump me, brother. Yeah. Tommy, in all fairness, Matt Marty Matt Janetti said the answer twice out loud. You just weren't listening. <laughs> I'm over. I'm over here doing some ISPW work. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the next year. I'm being honest. I was just, I was just, I was just posting a uh, a message for Rick Recon's upcoming battle with Nunzio at the next ISPW show. So you guys caught me red-handed. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me ask you this, gentlemen. Between Tugboat and Janetti, do you think either, either one will end up in the Hall of Fame at some point, or do you think they're going to be left off that list completely? I think Tugboat could go in as part of the natural disasters at the very least. I mean, he was a staple in 1990, and then when he turned heel, he was a staple from when he turned heel all the way up until 94 as Typhoon. Yeah, I mean, I can can see maybe somewhere down the line if they ever do the natural disasters. Um, He's he's, – I love Fred, by the way. He's phenomenal. He he can definitely – you know, be in there. He's on that fence with probably 50 other guys that they can shoot at any time. Not shoot at meaning, I mean, like, you know, say they, they're all lined up on the fence. Who are they going to pick? I mean, he falls in the category with so many others that, you know, should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. And the problem is that, you know, you, only, you can only induct so many people each year. Uh, and, and we can have this conversation probably for the next couple hours of people that should be in the Hall of Fame uh, that aren't yet, and off the top of my head, obviously, Demolition comes to my mind first and foremost because uh, they were my favorite team ever as a kid. And a quick shameless plug, if you haven't done so yet, you can join their official fan club, which includes a ton of autographed stuff uh, exclusively made for the fan club. You can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com for that. But they, they would be right at the top of my list along with King Kong Bundy. It, just, it boggles my mind that he was in the main event of WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan, and he's not in the, the Hall of Fame. So, I, I mean, I would put those guys in before I put Tugboat in. Uh, but there's a ton of guys. Uh, and, and same thing with Marty, to answer your question, is if they ever brought the Rockers together in the Hall of Fame, uh, I can see that happening. Otherwise, again, he's one of those guys that, you know, had a good career, but so did a ton of other guys. So, Yeah, I think Marty Jannetty falls in my category of, one of the biggest what ifs. I think if he didn't struggle with the things he struggled with outside uh, the wrestling career in his personal life, he could have had a fantastic run as a singles wrestler, but alas, it was not meant to be. Matt, as long as we got you on the phone, let me ask you this. We touched a little sure. bit on the gobbledygooker at the start of the episode, but we covered it in much detail. Now, I remember the lead up to this Survivor Series having that giant egg be shown on Saturday mornings and having mean Gene Okerlund kind of talk about what could be inside. And then when we finally get the big reveal and it's the guy in a turkey costume, I remember as a young boy being <laughs> disappointed. What are your memories of the buildup to and then the debut of the big reveal of the egg and the gobbledygooker? I don't remember much of the buildup, but seeing it for the very first time, what was it going to be? I almost expected something, uh, I guess, a heelish character, and then this happy guy in a turkey suit, this happy turkey comes out and is doing 
dancing and crisscrosses with Gene Oko, and it was like almost out of place, very out of place for what the Survivor Series was supposed to be. Especially. Do you guys think that they? Did, do you think they had plans for Gobbledygooker to become a in-ring performer, or was this always supposed to be just a one-off goof with Mean Gene? Do you guys know? I have no idea. I, I think I think that it was supposed to be, you know, everyone built it up that it was supposed to be this big, I mean, I, I know I was as a kid, and I'm checking with you guys too. I couldn't wait to see what was going to come out of that egg. Like, it, it could have been any anything or anyone, and, and I think everyone was expecting uh, something big. And, and that's another reason why this pay-per-view will go down for is one of the most newsworthy pay-per-views ever is this egg. Now, can you imagine just going there to the arena and, I'm, and, and, and we're, we're kids at the time, all three of us. So, but if you were, you know, an adult, like we are now watching it and like you thought it was going to be Ric Flair coming out of the egg or whatever the, the rumors or the things going around at that time. And then the gobbly Google comes out of the egg. What, how crushed and disappointed must have those fans been? Cause they weren't, they weren't smart marks back then really like, like they aren't. And I hate to use that word. I'm sorry to use that word, but a smart fans, like they, they are today. So, like, it must have been a, a huge letdown. What do you guys think? That would certainly be a letdown. In the, I, like I said, I'd expect it to be some kind of the buildup, and then this he, I could see, like, a heelish, very sinister character coming out of it and making, a, you know, a big-time heel impression, but then turns out to be this happy turkey instead. That, that would know, be the letdown for me. You know what, Matt? It would be equivalent to, you know, at the 80s wrestling con – the big egg on May the seventh is going to break, and everyone thinks I come out of it, but Jay comes out of it instead. So yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Actually, well Jay, played. Jay, Jay couldn't Absolutely. fit in an egg because Jay's the world's tallest man, and you yeah. all will see that this May seventh in New Jersey, the world's tallest man. Listen, I, I'm perusing a website right now called the 10 Fascinating WWE Survivor Series 1990 Facts. And one of them let's is hear, the fact that, that Hector had to get inside that egg for hours because they didn't want fans in attendance seeing him enter the egg. So he had to crawl into that thing before the show started and stay inside that egg until it was time to hatch. Can you imagine being stuck in that egg for several hours waiting to pop out knowing that you're just going to disappoint everybody in attendance. <laughs> can you can you read those other facts real quick, Jay? You want me to run them down real quick while you yeah, guys no, are on I'm, the horn I'm, with me? Yeah. I'm, All right. I'm let me pull back up to number one. Boom, boom, boom. Interesting fact is, despite holding the Intercontinental title at the pay per view, the Texas Tornado actually lost it days earlier to Mr. Perfect, but it was in a non-televised match, so he had to hold it for the pay-per-view. That's interesting. Huh. Another one is, well, we already covered that it was Demolition Axe's last in-ring performance as a member of Demolition. He would go on to manage Smash and Crush and a few other appearances, but his in-ring career came to an end at this pay-per-view. We also noted that Bad News Brown was originally set to be on the Million Dollar Team. That was one of the interesting facts. The event was not truly The Undertaker's debut. It was actually his number sixth match for the company, just his first televised one, and that's why it's so memorable. 
Another fascinating fact was that Bret Hart's brother passed away the day before. We talked about that with a previous caller. We also talked about that Haku replaced Ravishing Rick Rude on the Natural Disasters team due to Rick Rude being injured. The other interesting fact is that Boris Zukas replaced Akeem on that team. Then the second most interesting fact is the one I just shared. The gobbledygooker had to hide beneath the egg for several hours. And the last interesting fact is that it was the most bought Survivor Series in history up until wow. 1998. That's when it got beat. So those were the, the 10 fascinating facts about Survivor Series 1990. Very good. Wow. Which, so before we end this episode, we're already a couple minutes over. What is everyone's takeaway from the Survivor Series 1990? What, in your opinion, was the besides the Undertaker? Because that's the obvious answer for all three of us. Uh, at least I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I think it probably is outside of the Undertaker's debut because it's still a newsworthy uh, pay per view. What would be your biggest takeaway from this? I, I have to go with the, the gobbledygooker and the egg. Matt, I'll let you go next. I would, I would go the same. It's like being on a roller coaster going all the way up to the top, and then you're expecting the big drop and the thrill, and then just not to be. I will say that this Survivor Series in 1990 was the last time you would see Hulk Hogan on a Survivor Series team. The next year, he would be in a singles match, and after that, no more Survivor Series for the Hulkster. Wow. Yeah, that's true. And as of this year, as of come WrestleMania, if I'm correct, the Dream Team and the Million Dollar Team is the first all Hall of Famer Survivor Series match from the earliest, from 87 to date. That might be the earliest match that contains all Hall of Famers. That is an awesome fact. Except, except, for, uh, except for Virgil and Brother Love, who was at ringside. Ah, he got me there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wake up early in the morning to get me, Matt. <laughs> got to get up a little earlier, at least. There you, know, you go. And a lot earlier this Monday, right, Matt? That's right. <laughs> Again, uh, Matt, uh, if, if you haven't uh, heard him yet, he is calling the action for ISPW, and uh, you can hear him each and every week. ISPW Sunday Night Slams. Debuting again on Sunday, March the 20th, 6 p.m. Every Sunday night, Jay, a new episode of ISW will be airing. I know you're excited for this one. I'm always excited for the ISPW shows. I love to hear the results. I love to hear the surprises and the swerves. Matt gets a front row seat. He gets to call the action. And I'm looking forward to hearing his velvety sweet voice on ISPW's new YouTube show, Sunday Night Slam. Hey, uh, Matt, thank you so much, man. Jay, do we have two more minutes? I have a, someone just texted me they're on hold. Uh, it's definitely a special guest. And we, I, I know we have to end the show, but just to say hello to him real quick. Do I get to know who it is or do I just get to pick up? Oh the yeah. Phone? It's, it's, it's former ring of honor tag team champion, Tony DeVito, who was one of the, uh, famous guys that worked the early nineties, the 95, uh, superstars of wrestling, wrestling challenge, Monday night raw. He's, 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 He's done it all, man. Well, then let's bring him on the horn. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Tony DeVito, good morning to you. Yeah, let me tell you, that egg was the stupidest thing they ever did. The gobbledygooker <laughs> was a disappointment. I mean, I, 
I was 18 years old at the time. So it's like, that was, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? What's up, guys? What's going on? What, what, year, what year did you break in? 92? 91. And then 92, I started doing, yeah, I started doing shows with WWF in 92, so. Yeah, man. We, 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 end, do, I think so. we, we definitely have to have you on in the podcast in the future and, and, and talk to you about it. We're just about to uh, actually sign off, but I just got your text. I definitely wanted to get you on I real know. quick. Tony is I, actually going to – I'm taking a break at work. Yeah, I'm just taking a break at work, and I was on Facebook, and I was like, oh, the show's on live. Let me listen. And then I saw it was about 90s, uh, some, you know, the, the Survivor Series. So I was like, I got to call in. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, we'll definitely have you on in the future and talk about your career – as well, because it was a tremendous career that you you had or and still having. Um, what, what, so, in 1990. Now you, you said you're still you didn't you didn't even start training it, so you're still a fan at this point. What what was your right. take on on this uh, this pay per view? I mean, except for the except for the the Goblin Gruger, it was it was awesome. I mean, Undertaker coming making his debut that was uh, that's something everybody still remembers. You know, I remember my friends that were just watching it with us uh, and. You know, they were in awe of The Undertaker. You know, my buddy was like, oh, my God, that dude's huge, and, you know. So uh, that was a great pay-per-view. It really was. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and anyone out there that's going to be at 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey, Tony DeVito is going to be getting the Hall of Fame Lifetime Achievement Award for Independent Wrestling at this event. And he's going to be wrestling also that evening, teaming up with his old partner, H.C. Loke. The Carnage Crew will be in the house at ISW Rock and Wrestling on May the 7th. Man, I can't wait to see you and have you up here. And, uh, I mean, it'll be, it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a great time, dude. And uh, It's an honor to be inducted into this, man. I really thank you for it. It's, it's, it's definitely cool. Well, man, you were one of the guys, you know, before I was even in the business, you know, that, you know, I would watch every week and, uh, you know, growing up as well. So, man, and, you know, even though I don't want to make it sound old because you're only a couple of years older than me, <laughs> yeah. you make me, uh, remind me of my childhood, brother. Yeah, I, listen, I'm a couple of years older, but I started very young in the business. And uh, I was like the youngest guy in the locker room at that point. Yeah, man. Yeah. Jay, anything you want to ask Tony real quick before we sign off? As long as we got Tony on the air, I would love it because here's, if my memory serves me correctly... We're talking Survivor Series 1990. One of the main players right. on one of the teams is Mr. Perfect. And, Tony, if I'm not mistaken, you had a chance to get in the ring with Mr. Perfect. Is that correct? I did. I did. Yes, I did. Can, I, can you just at, tell me uh, quickly what that experience was like for you? Dude, that was awesome, you know. And, and Kurt was so cool at the time. Like, you know, he's like, oh, it's funny because if you really watch that match, uh, Kurt rid Vince McMahon in that match. You know, he's like, yeah, I want you to – get out of the ring, go right in front of Vince and start yelling at him. And uh, me being a, a greenhorn at the time, that's exactly what I did. I think Kurt was just ribbing uh, Vince for it, though. It was great. What a great time, though, man. I wish I could have worked him again and again because he was so smooth and he was so good. Real quickly, for some of the listeners out there that, that might not be familiar with all the guys that you worked, and you worked everyone during that, that yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just name some of the guys that you worked on that time frame. Oh man, I mean, I, I worked. I worked the original Undertaker. I worked Brian Lee as the Faker Taker. I've worked with Shawn Michaels. I've worked with Diesel. I've worked with uh, um, Don't Wait the Clown. I worked with One Two Three Kid. I worked with uh, Bob Hot. I worked with all these guys. You know, 
work through all these guys. It was it was awesome. It was a great learning experience for me too. Because, like I said before, too, I was green going into WWF, so I learned everything I learned there. You know, and yeah, um, you know, like, I know we're going to get into that some other time, but yeah, you know, guys like Scott Hall took us under their wings and taught us a lot of stuff. And you know, it was a couple of years in, but man, I had a great learning experience there. It was awesome. Yeah, man. And after there, you went to ECW as the Baldies and Ring yeah. of Honor. There's a lot to cover Ring with your career. So I don't want to. Yeah. Definitely, we'll definitely get you on again, and uh, we'll talk all about it, man. But I appreciate you calling in, and I look forward to catching yeah, up with you, my brother. All right, Tommy. Good talking to you. Take it easy, guys. All right, man. Right, have a great day, Tony. All right, later. On. Nice. To, what nice a way to end there, the man. episode, man. Talk nice, about. Nice what a great surprise. You get to talk to somebody that was in the ring and worked with some of these guys that we're talking about today. What a great surprise and an awesome way to end today's episode, Tommy. It's nice to have friends in high places, right, Jay? No doubt, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I have you. I mean, you're in the high place. <laughs> well, anyway, man, we've been a couple minutes over, but it was a fun and quick episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Again, this weekend, the Wrestling Collector. Uh, this Saturday from 4 to 6, Asia and CJ is going to be there. And on Sunday, we're going to have Outback Jack Sullivan and Man Mountain Rock. And then Monday, Monday Night Virtual, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Jerry Briscoe, Tony Gurria for all these events. Please head over to 80swrestlingcon.com now and you can place your order. Jay, hope you have a great weekend. What are you doing this weekend? Anything, anything good plans? I'll just be working. Uh, we got a busy weekend. For those listeners that don't know, my wife and I own an indoor entertainment facility in my hometown. We got laser tag, virtual reality, escape rooms, arcades, things like that. A lot of parties coming through this weekend. A um, couple of our staff people are on vacation, and so my wife and I will be putting in the hours, having fun with other people having fun. So I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome, man. And, uh, yeah, while, you, while you're having fun in Minnesota – I'll be uh, running around like a chicken with its head cut off in New Jersey. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I hope you have a great weekend. And I look forward to uh, seeing some of you guys at the store this weekend, Monday Night Virtual. going to be a good one. And then until then, we'll catch you here next Thursday, hopefully with a guest. I, I, I dropped the ball, waited to the last minute uh, this week. But it worked, out, it worked out fine because it was a really fun episode talking about the history of the 1990 Survivor Series. Until next week, we'll catch you here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.